flowers all fastened in the windows pin Keep your hand on that plow Hold on Welcome to Mountain Grace, the weekly sermon from me, the Reverend John White, priest at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Camillus, New York. Today we're marking the Sunday of the Passion, Palm Sunday, where we go from Jesus' triumphant entry to Jesus on the cross. the reading today we're doing psalm 31 verses 9 through 16 have mercy on me O lord for i am in trouble my eye is consumed with sorrow and also my throat and my belly for my life is wasted with grief and my years with sighing my strength fails me because of affliction and my bones are consumed i have become a reproach to all my enemies and even to my neighbors A dismay to those of my acquaintance when they see me in the street, they avoid me. I am forgotten like a dead man out of mind. I am as useless as a broken pot. For I have heard the whispering of the crowd. Fear is all around. They put their heads together against me. They plot to take my life. But as for me, I have trusted in you, O Lord. I have said you are my God. My times are in your hand. Rescue me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face to shine upon your servant, and in your loving kindness save me. Please be seated. We're here today to mark the beginning of Holy Week. This this week where we, with the disciples, experience the last days of Christ. And we begin with this Palm Sunday with the the jubilant uh, excitement of the arrival of Jesus in Jerusalem with the waving of psalms and the singing of, of glorious anthems and praising God and yelling out, Hosanna, Hosanna. And as the week progresses, Jesus will confront the authorities in Jerusalem. He immediately will go into the temple and begin to to chase out the money changers and to turn over their tables and to decry the ways in which a house of prayer was turned into a house of commerce. 
And it's there that he will predict his, his death and the destruction of the temple that is coming in years after his death. And he will tell the story of the widow's might where, where Jesus sees the rich giving their donations into the treasury, but they, they give from their abundance. They give from what they do not need. And he contrasts that with a poor widow who has come and given her last two coins to the treasury. And he tells us this not so that we will hold up this faithful woman and her devotion to, to God as something that we should emulate, but to show the ways that the leaders have betrayed her faith and her trust. Where even the food she needs to eat is taken away from her so that those who have more than enough can have more still. And then he will gather all his disciples together this week and they will have their, their last supper, supper together where he tells them he will not eat and drink until he enters into the kingdom of God. And then they go out into the garden and they, they pray. And Jesus asks them to pray with him, but they, they struggle to pray with him in his hour of need and they fall asleep. And then... The crowd comes, led by Judas, one of the twelve, who betrays Jesus with a kiss. With a sign of hospitality, the Son of God is handed over to the authorities who have been plotting against him because they are threatened by his message and they misunderstand his mission. But they are not alone in misunderstanding his mission because the disciples also misunderstand what Jesus is about. They understand that Jesus is the Messiah, but they don't really understand what that means. They're looking for a warrior. They're looking for someone with, who will bring sword and blood to drive out the oppressors of the people. And they are sorely oppressed. And they are terribly taken advantage of. But the disciples, they don't envision a world that is different than that. They just envision themselves in the place of the oppressors so that they can stand on top and argue over who is greatest and who will receive the richest rewards. They too fail to understand Jesus' mission, even if they know his identity. And so Jesus is handed over, he's tried, he's convicted. And he's executed. And that's where we're going to stop the story today. At the end of our service, we'll read the Passion Gospel that leaves us with Jesus dead on the cross. The very death of hope. The very death of the promise of what he taught to his disciples. But of course, we know what the disciples don't know is that that death, that hanging man on the cross is not the end of the story. That God's work is continuing. Now Jesus came, he was incarnate from God, right? That's what we celebrate at Christmas, the incarnation where Jesus becomes fully human. And we recount these words every week in our Eucharistic prayers that Jesus became fully human to live and die as one of us. And in our lives, we know this story of Holy Week. 
that all of us have experienced the things of Holy Week, the death of hope, the loss of something beloved, the promise of something taken away. It is human experience to appreciate and experience this loss and to know grief. Any of us who have received a call over the death of a beloved one unexpectedly or have sat in the doctor's office with someone or ourselves and received the diagnosis that we never wanted to hear. We know what that grief is. We know what that pain is. We know what the suffering that Jesus is undergoing is because it is our own. That Jesus is not someone who stands apart from us, but stands with us in our darkest days, in our most trying times. Jesus is there with us, experiencing it along with us. And and if that's where the story ended, it would not be a full accounting of what human life is possible of. And that in, in the resurrection that is coming, that we're going to celebrate next week, in that Easter, there is not the death of hope, but the birth. The emergence of joy, even in the midst of the darkest of trials. And that the promise we are given to participate in the resurrection of Jesus Christ for our very own selves is meant to show us that we should never, ever give up hope. That we should never leave aside the possibility of change and transformation. And to embolden us and empower us to be wholly unafraid as we face whatever darkness life brings our way. That we are invited through participation in Christ's resurrections as Christ's own people to be that manifestation of joy and hope that the resurrection represents. That we don't need to be afraid to stand up because there is nothing this world can throw at us that can overcome us. That by our participation in the resurrection, we are born a new people, promised eternal and abundant life. And we are called to that, not so that we can sit quietly at home in the darkness and take joy in this great gift we have been given, but to take that gift into the world into the places where it feels dark, where people know grief and where they know suffering and the oppression that the disciples knew, and to bring them that message of good news, that hope can't be destroyed, that the greatest power in the universe, in fact, the creative impetus behind the whole universe's existence is love, and that no evil can defeat Love. We can give it up, maybe. But love can never be destroyed. It is the ultimate power in the universe. And it is the source of hope, which is the transformative engine of change that makes this world a better place. Jesus' death. Jesus' death rests in our own suffering. 
But Jesus' rebirth is a sign to us of what is possible in our very own lives and in our world. That we can look out at the world in which we live and we see the suffering that people go through and we can say to ourselves, it doesn't have to be this way. It can be different. Jesus offers us a different way, not to take up the sword of the world and just turn it over so that we're on top and someone else is on bottom, but that everyone can be lifted up into this new kingdom of God where there is suffering no more and there is hunger no more and there is oppression no more or tyranny. All of those things are wiped away in this kingdom of God, but it rests on us to make it reality. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to keep forward in the struggle against the powers of darkness that conspired against Jesus and continue to work to oppress and make us afraid today. But Jesus' resurrection is the promise that we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to give in to the power of darkness. That our birthright, our gift as creatures of God is hope and love, and mercy, and grace. And our great mission is to continue Jesus' own ministries of healing and reconciliation and peace so that the world that we live in, that we occupy, is truly the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen.